How are we doing today? Never works. Never works. Every single week. All right. So today we are starting a new series and it is called The Best of the Best. What are we doing with this series? Good question. Let me answer. So what we're doing is we're having four different youth pastors from four different churches come in for the next four weeks to come and speak to you guys about different things. And so we are incredibly encouraged by this. We're excited about what's going to happen. And the reason kind of behind this, and I was sharing this with the leaders before, is this idea in Mark 9. This is what it says, uh, Mark 9, Uh, Verse 38, this is what it says. Uh, John said to him, him being Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. So some guys, you know, exercising demons or whatever, but he's not kind of with the Jesus crew so far because he was not following us. But Jesus said, verse 39, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will be by no means lose his reward. The whole idea here is Jesus is standing there with his crew and John walks up and says, hey, listen, someone outside of us is doing something in your name. Don't you have a problem with that? And Jesus goes, of course not. Why would we do that? Why would I have an issue with that? And I think at times what we get into the rhythm of is only cool things happen here. And it's not true. There are plenty of people outside of our circle that are doing amazing things. Langley, Maple Ridge, here in Cloverdale, South Surrey, North Surrey. And today we get tasked with with the great honor of listening to my friend. His name is Jeremiah from Broadway Church down in Vancouver who is an amazing, amazing guy. I remember sitting down with him for the first time and we sat there, no word of a lie, for four hours. He's just kind of one of those guys that you just stare at and you go, how are there so many muscles? Like that's what the kind of person he kind of is. And so what I want to do is I want to invite Jeremiah up. Uh, You guys can give him a big round of applause. I want to pray for him before he starts and, uh, and get this whole series going. All right, Father, thank you so much for Jeremiah. He is an amazing friend. He is an amazing pastor. Uh, you just anoint his words that he is just feeling comfortable here in this house, um, that we treat him like family as he's here, God, that we are just listening intently to what he's trying to say to us, the word that he wants to give to our community here, the people who are just trying to follow Jesus as much as we possibly can, and that we have the privilege and the honor of listening to someone who lives it out in their life. We're so thankful, we're grateful for all that you're doing and the time that we're going to spend here today. Jesus, I want to pray. Amen. Amen. Village youth, can you make some noise for Pastor Chinchilla and all your leaders here? Seriously, I'm just like standing in the corner like this is crazy. This is so crazy. It's so, it's so awesome. Uh, so like Pastor Chinchilla said, my name is Jeremiah. I'm the preteen youth pastor at Broadway Church in Vancouver. And I, I hate it when, you know, someone comes and they speak and they don't really talk about themselves. It's just kind of like uh, stranger danger. So I want, I want to let you know just a little bit about who I am. So uh, everyone's on Instagram here, right? I mean, come on, anyone? I got two people over here, one over there. Anyway, so I'm one of those people that, you know, we go to a nice place to eat. Maybe it's a coffee shop. Maybe it's West Village Cafe. Everyone gets their lattes. They get their, their cortados and everything. And we sit down. Um, I'm the guy be like, wait, stop. I need to take a picture from this angle, from this angle, 
let me just get a wide shot of the whole crew right here. Boom, caption, hashtags, I'm that guy, okay? I'm, it's a little bit embarrassing. My friends are a little bit embarrassed, but that's who I am. I'm also an only child. Any only child's in the house tonight? That's me. Okay, everyone's big families over here. So I'm an only child. And I grew up playing, you know, kind of by myself. Like, I was the opposite of hashtag BRB making friends, okay? I was hashtag BRB play by myself in my room. That's who I was growing up. So, so being this only child, this shy person growing up, um, I, I, I just loved being at home. And uh, one, of the, one of the things I loved about being at home was using my own washroom. Like, there's just, there's nothing like the comfort of being in your own washroom. Like, you know where the toilet paper is. You know the brand of soap. You know everything in that washroom. So for me, I, I hated it going, you know, going out and like, I would just not use public washrooms. Like, that was just not me. It's gross. I mean, there's like stranger germs on the toilet seat. Like, that's not for me, guys. That's not for me. Um, but by the time I got into high school, I actually started kind of talking out, you know, talking with my friends, hanging out late. And uh, I was like, okay, hey, I'm hanging out late. Like, there are these times where I have to use the washroom. Like, I can't just hold it in for 24 hours. Like, I had to use the washroom. Um, so, you know, I kind of started getting more comfortable with going out and, you know, but, but the only thing is I'd use a full toilet paper roll to just layer that bad boy down. It's just like, it's like sitting on memory foam. Like, that's, I needed that. I just, you know, I don't like germs. That's not me. So, but, but I say all this to say that I hate public washrooms, but I absolutely hate outhouses. They're disgusting. They're evil. I'm not even sure why they exist. They're gross. They're gross, guys. So a couple weeks ago, I was up in the Yukon. And guys, it is super cold in the Yukon, seriously. It was actually like minus 20, minus 30 uh, in the mornings. It's just the worst. So I'm going to this camp to speak. And um, I've been here before. I've only ever been in the summertime, though. Still cold in the summer. So I go, and they're telling me, you know, it's going to be great. You know, snow is like knee high. We might have a picture up here. But the snow, there's just snow everywhere at this camp. And it's actually outside of 911 range. Like, this is in the ghetto in the Yukon, okay? So I get there, and I'm ready to go. I've been here before. I'm kind of comfortable. Um, but they tell me, like, oh, hey, Jared, by the way, um, the washrooms are actually closed because uh, all the water's frozen, so you have to use the outhouse. I was like, ooh, I think I, I'm going to go back to Vancouver. I can't, that's, that's a make it or break it for me. But I was like, hey, whatever. So I mentally prepare myself. I was like, all right, Jer, you're holding it in until Sunday, until you get back to the city in Whitehorse. Hold it in. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. So, you know, I get there on a Friday, and uh, it's great. I speak Friday night. It's awesome. Uh, Saturday goes by. It's great. I'm feeling good. Like, I don't even think about the washroom. Sunday morning rolls around. And uh, so the, how the camp is structured, there's these chapel times, kind of similar to like this. So there's, there's a portion of games, and then there's a couple worship songs, and I go up to talk. So I'm sitting, and I'm like, this is a kid's camp, guys. This is a kid's camp. So I'm sitting with these boys, and, you know, the games are going, and, you know, I have some of my boys here that you're just hanging out. And, and it just hit me. Just like, ooh, stomach pain, really, really painful. And I just, I just became really gassy. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep it in because, you know, I, I'm just trying to keep it in because, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nice guy that way. But I just, they're just some, you know, just, they just escape. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, some of these boys are like, ew, who's farting? Who's farting? I was like, ah, it's one of you guys, right? It's one of you guys. And, uh, but I, I, like the games are going for like maybe 20 minutes long. And I just, I was genuinely trying to keep it in. 
And uh, there came to a point where one of the boys is like, whoever's farting, just cut it out. It's not funny anymore. It was funny, but it's not funny anymore. I was like, oh, okay, this is getting a little bit serious. And by this time, I, I'm like about to explode. It just hit me just like a rushing wind. Like I could barely hold it. So I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. I, I have to use the outhouse. This is disgusting. God, I need you right now in this moment. So, um, so there's this campground. So I'm, we're in this kind of building and uh, maybe 30 meters this way, I knew there was an outhouse. So I was like, okay, I can do this. So I get outside. It's super cold, guys. And I'm kind of like making my way through the snow. Uh, luckily, I have my Blundstones on. Shout out to Blundstones. They are sick. Anyway, so I'm making my way. I'm just kind of like, ooh, clenching. I got to get there. I got to get there. And then so I see the outhouse. So it's like right there. I'm probably this distance. And, I, I, and I'm approaching it. And I don't know if anyone kind of vibes with me, but when you really need to go, and you actually see the washroom and you're kind of close, you're like, you're mentally there. You're like, oh yeah, I can relax now. So, I, so this was the door, guys. I kid you not, I'm like, I'm here and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You were with me during this difficult walk. And um, I open it and I'm just like, muscles are relaxing, guys. And I, I, I go to close the door and I just quick scan. I'm like, no toilet paper. And in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, clenched. Like, I've never been so close, guys, so close. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm on this, I'm 30 meters this way. And the only other outhouse at this campsite was about 50, 50, 60 meters the other way. It's on the other side of camp. So guys, I don't, I'm not even kidding. I was, I was shaking. I, I've never been this close to just doing the unthinkable. Like I was shaking. So I get out of the camp and I'm just, I, I, can, I can barely see the camp, I mean the outhouse in the distance. And I'm like, God, I, I, I don't know if I've ever asked you to be with me so hard in my life. So I'm literally, I'm over here. And, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, making it through the snow, going, going, going. And, and I, it, it's the last kind of five meters where it was like, it was so real, guys. I was just, whew, just just shaking. I was, and I'm not even, I'm not even doing that as just like to be animated right now. I was literally shaking because I've never held it in. Like I had to go, I had to go. So that walk from that first outhouse to that second outhouse was probably the most difficult walk of my life. Seriously. It was not only like emotionally and physically taxing, but like I just, I couldn't, I almost literally did the unthinkable there. But sometimes, like that uncomfortable kind of walk from that one outhouse to the second outhouse, sometimes living out our faith is like that. Sometimes it gets really uncomfortable and, and almost awkward at times. But tonight I want to kind of talk about that. I want, because sometimes it's comfortable even when we say the name Jesus or when we say church, we become kind of like, ooh, I'm shaking. I don't know how my friends are going to react. Because sharing the gospel and loving people isn't really the difficult time sometimes. It's really the initial decision to get up and walk across the room and actually spend time with people and, and tell them about Jesus or invite them to youth. That's really the hard part. When you're there, it's easy. It's good. You know, you're, you're comfortable with your friends. But it's that initial decision to actually do something, to do something about your faith. Really, that's when we feel the most nervous and uncomfortable because we don't know what's going to happen when we do that. We have no idea. And sometimes fear wins out and we sit back down. And maybe you've been in that spot before where you're, you're considering like, oh yeah, maybe I should 
invite my friend from school to come, but uh, they, might, they might think I'm weird. They, think my, they might think I'm a little bit churchy. But again, tonight, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about why we need to act now, why we need to really tell our friends about church and about Jesus and about the gospel. And maybe you're here tonight and, and you don't know who Jesus is, really. Maybe this is one of the first couple times you're going to church. But tonight, I want to give you kind of a glimpse at what it means to follow Jesus. So would you just pray with me really quick as we start the night off? Uh, Jesus, thank you for tonight, God. And I just thank you for just the amazing students and leaders that are under this roof, Lord. God, I pray just for the next uh, little bit, Lord. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth tonight may not be my own, but may it be yours, Lord. And may you soften our hearts to receive what you want us to hear tonight. And everybody said, amen, amen. So tonight we're looking at the story of Esther, the story of Esther. And um, if you have your Bibles, it's just before Job. It's kind of just in the middle, a little bit, you know, before the middle in your Bible. But we're looking at the story of Esther. So what's happening in this story is there's this group called the Israelites. And the Israelites were God's chosen people. Okay, like that was, that, that was his team. Okay, that's the team he was rooting for, he was cheering for. That's the Israelites. And right now in this story, the Israelites had just been exiled out of their homeland into Persia. So in other words, they were forced to immigrate into Persia and live under their king. And the king of Persia at that time was King Xerxes. And uh, King Xerxes was actually looking for a new wife because his previous wife disobeyed him. So she was pretty much locked up in a tower never to be seen again. That's what happened. So Xerxes, he's like, he's ready to slay again. He's ready to hit just the market and find a new wife. That's what's happening with King Xerxes. So throughout the whole kingdom of Persia, every woman that was single was, was called to come to the palace. And uh, Esther, who was a Jew, who was from the Israelites, God's chosen people, she made the cut. Um, who watches The Bachelor? I mean, come on, give it up. It's okay, this is, this is a safe place, guys. Um, so imagine The Bachelor. You know, you've got The Bachelor, you've got lots of women on the show that are trying to vie and try to become, you know, the new girlfriend and get married. This is what's happening. King Xerxes is The Bachelor. But instead of like 30 people on the show, there's probably like 600 people that are like being, you know, I want to be the next queen. I want to be the next queen of Persia. That is what's happening. So before Esther actually left for the palace, before she left her home to actually kind of compete to be the king, she actually had no choice. Like King Xerxes, like every woman in my uh, kind of garden area. And I, I, want to, I want to see them and I want to pick someone. So she actually didn't have a choice. She had to go. But before she went, her uncle Mordecai told her not to give any information about her background or her nationality. Like Uncle Mordecai, you know, the uncle that's kind of raised her is just like, Esther, make sure you don't give any information, any personal information. That, that stays with you. Keep it a secret. Esther's like, uh, why? Just trust me. Trust me. Esther's like, okay, I'll trust you. I won't, I won't, say, I won't say a thing. So one thing that's pretty ridiculous that's found in the Bible so literally, it took 12 months to prepare each lady before the king. 12 months of hanging out at Zephora. Literally. If you don't believe me, I'm going to read it from the Bible right now. Here, Esther 2, verse 12. Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women. Six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And every single lady should be saying, amen. That's nuts. That's literally found in the Bible. 
So literally, um, now Esther is finally ready to, to have her turn before the king. And, and just before we keep going, like if you don't have a Bible, um, we want you to have a Bible. Just ask Pastor Chinchilla after the service and we'll get a Bible in your hands. So anyways, so Esther, she has, she spends this whole year getting ready, literally getting her hair done, getting her makeup did, like everything, new outfit. And after a whole year of preparation, it's her turn. It is finally her turn to go to King Xerxes' palace and actually meet him for the first time. And uh, literally in the, in the scripture, in this narrative, in this story, literally King, uh, Queen, or not yet, but um, Esther kind of walks in into King Xerxes' in his throne room. And literally, it says that, that, that the king was so impressed, so blown away by Esther's beauty that he literally just puts a ring on it right away. And I don't know what, what Esther did going in, if she just kind of walks in and just like, boom, just go single ladies all up on him. Like, I don't know what she did, but I mean, King Xerxes was impressed and literally becomes the queen at that moment. And, and I think God placed her in this specific position and place for a reason. And she probably didn't even un understand why she was chosen to be queen. She was a Jew of all people in this foreign land, forced to immigrate here. And she was forced to be the new queen, queen of all the kingdom. But God had a plan in mind, even though she didn't really know what was going on. She was in close proximity to the most influential person in the world at that time. And the, and the same applies to us. As, as Christians and as Christ followers, we are called to trust in God in all situations that we might find ourselves in because God is placing us here and now to impact people here and now. All of us in this room are in close proximity of people that need Jesus. All of us in this room. So back to the story. So there's this guy and his name is Haman. It's not a very nice, I would never name my son Haman. Seriously, that's a terrible name. Anyway, so Haman, he's one of the king's high official. Like, this guy is important. Like, you don't mess with this guy. Like, he's like, like your boss's, like, 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 you know, right-hand man, like, number one assistant. That's who Haman was to King Xerxes. And King Xerxes actually really liked Haman. He was, like, one of his favorite officials. And uh, so this guy, there's this thing about Haman. He just, he really likes attention. He's that guy who walks in and is like, hey, do you see my last uh, Instagram post? Can you just uh, shoot me a quick like? I just, thanks. Like, he's that guy. He's that guy that needs attention, that needs affirmation. And he was in a high position to force people to do that. Literally. It's like if, if Pastor Chinchilla walked in here and guys, for tonight's message, I just, before we start, I need everyone to uh, give my last picture a like. Before we start, and I need, to, I need to see it. Like, this is who Haman is. He's like, he's that guy that forces people to like him. So, so Uncle Mordecai actually has this weird interaction with Haman. So it's in Esther 3. This is what it says. So when Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay any honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. So, I mean, Haman is pissed. Like, literally, you have to imagine this scene. So, you know, we have Uncle Mordecai. He's probably just at the gates of the palace of, of King Xerxes. And, you know, Haman kind of strolls in and he's like, everybody, 
Just quick bow, quick bow, bow to me right now. I just need it, please, please, please. And Uncle Mordecai is like, whoa, I'm not bowing to you. Like, I, I only bow down to Big G. Like, you, Haman, you're nobody. And, uh, and, and Haman didn't like that. He was pissed. He's like, whoa, that guy over there. Take a knee, brother, take a knee. Uncle Mordecai's like, no, I, I can't do that, man. I only bow down to my God. And Haman didn't like that. So remember, the Israelites, Esther was a Jew. She was one of the Israelites. Same with Uncle Mordecai, right? And, and it wasn't just enough for, ha- for Haman to punish Mordecai. It wasn't enough, just one person. No, he had to go to the extremity of finding out who his people were so he could punish all of them. Not just, not just Mordecai, but all of his people. It's ridiculous. Like that is just, that is the person who Haman is. And remember, like, like, like Esther, she hasn't given any information. Like no one knows she's, she's a Jew. No one knows she's an Israelite. She's just some person. She's just some woman that lives in Persia. No one, no one thinks twice. So what Haman does, he actually, be, remember, Haman's, he's a high official. I mean, he's really, he's like besties with King Xerxes. So once he finds out that Uncle Mordecai, his people are Jews, he goes up to, um, you know, King Xerxes and is like, you know what? There's this guy the other day that he was just, he was totally disrespecting me, but he was actually trying to disrespect you. Like, I was just kind of like the middle man, but he just, he hates you. And I think we got to punish him. And we got to punish all of his people. Like, that is what you need to do, King Xerxes. And King Xerxes is like, okay, sure. What, what do you think we should do? What is an appropriate punishment for this guy who didn't bow down to me? And Haman's like, I've been thinking, I mean, this is pretty severe. Like, since he didn't bow down to me and I represent who you are, like, he is just disrespecting you, King Xerxes. So Haman, he's just like, you know what? I think we need to, we need to kill all his people. We need to kill all the Jews. And King Xerxes, he's like, okay, then let's do it. And, and so Haman kind of tricks the king into this super ridiculous and severe punishment And then, so you need to understand the severity of this. Like, this isn't like, you know, some people are getting hurt, they're getting in trouble, they're getting a timeout. Like, you need to understand, like, this is the equivalent of the Holocaust. Like, literally, mass amount of people are going to die just because someone doesn't like them. Literally, that is what's happening in the story. So you need to picture, you need to picture, how, how is Esther feeling like you know she's probably in her quarter she's in her room one of her servants kind of comes to her like Esther did you hear about the news like all of the Jews and all of the kingdom are going to be executed and I'm sure Esther is trying to like keep a straight face trying to stay calm because again no one knows she's a Jew but she's like oh that's wow that's that's really intense so literally this law to, that has just been passed by King Xerxes to execute, to kill all of the Jews is passed. And it's, it's, it's gonna be put into action really soon, in the next couple days. And Esther's not really sure what she has to do. Like she doesn't, like what, what is she supposed to do? She's just the queen. Like she can't make any decisions. Like that's all up to the king. But, but so once this, this law had been spread and you know people are beginning to find out like, Jews are going to be killed on this date. Like Uncle Mordecai hears about this and he's like, ooh, I need to talk to Esther. I need to talk to Esther ASAP. So, you know, uh, Uncle Mordecai gets, you know, gets her attention and they, they meet up probably just by the gate. And Uncle Mordecai is just telling her like, Esther, you need to do something. You need to do something. Esther's probably like, I, I can't do anything. Like, 
I actually have no power in this palace. Like, I might be the queen, but I have no authority. Like, Haman has more authority than me. I, I can't do anything. And Uncle Mordecai's like, you have to walk into the king's throne room and you need to tell him not to do this. You need to tell him. And you need to understand, like, it's not just a walk in the park to walk into the king's throne room. It's not like walking into your hubby's like room and being like, hey, can we not do this? It wasn't like that. Literally, if you walked into the king's throne room and you weren't summoned, that is punishable by death. Walking in unannounced, not being summoned, that is punishable by death. So obviously, Queen Esther's like, whoa, Uncle Mordecai, I, I can't do that. Like, if I walk in there and, and he hasn't asked for me or requested me, I'm going to be killed. Like, how does that help anything? And Uncle Mordecai's just like, you, you're the only person that can do this. You're the only person on the inside. God is with you. And God has specifically placed you here. You need to trust in him. Esther's like, I, I, I'll figure out something, Uncle Mordecai, but I, I, I really can't walk in here. Like, it's against the law. I'm going to be killed. Do you understand that? Well, Uncle Mordecai's like, yeah, I understand that. We're all going to be killed, except for you. That's why you need to do something. So Queen Esther had to make a decision. Either take a risk and take this really ridiculous, uncomfortable walk into the throne room, unannounced, uncalled for, unrequested, and ask the king to change his decision. Or she can do nothing and all her people are going to be executed. But she'll be fine. She's comfy. She's cozy in her room. Nothing happens to her if she does nothing. But if she does something and actually puts her life on the line, which is obviously scary for her, but that would be the only way to actually even make a difference, to actually perhaps avoid this mass execution of her people. Esther didn't see another way. You know, I, I imagine Esther kind of walking back, going into her room and really thinking like, what am I supposed to do? Like either I do nothing and I sit here and, and pretend like maybe, just maybe this will blow over and nothing will happen. And maybe, you know, maybe the king will change his mind. But she realized, she knew that wasn't the case. She knew this law had been passed and that was gonna be brought to a reality. So it's either do nothing and stay safe and her people get executed or she gets uncomfortable and she walks across the king's throne room and demands that he change his mind. But she could be killed. And even if the king spared her life, if, she found, if he found out that she was a Jew, maybe he would end up killing her anyways because that was the law. Literally, Esther is in one of the most difficult situations we see. And she, you know, she doesn't know what to do. But, but she comes to the realization that there is only one thing to do to save her people. And if that meant putting her life on the line, if that meant for her to be uncomfortable and walk into the throne room, she was gonna do it. How could she not do something? Her family, her friends, all her homies, they're, they're, all their lives are on the line. She only had one thing to do and she decided to go through with it. And tonight, I think that God has specifically placed us and shaped us where we are for a specific purpose. To our background, to what school we attend, to the, to the specific skills and attributes that you have as an individual. God has shaped who you are for a specific purpose. In the same way that Esther was specifically shaped, she was a Jew. She had this relationship with Uncle Mordecai and she became the queen all these specific characteristics and attributes of Esther were all designed by God. 
her, a Jew, would be affected by this law. So she had to do something. Her having this relationship with Uncle Mordecai, trusting him. You know, she's been, he's been his, like a dad to her her whole life. So obviously she's going to listen to Uncle Mordecai's advice and wisdom. And she was in the best place to do something. She was literally the queen of all the kingdom. She was in close proximity to King Xerxes. She was the one who could actually make a tangible difference. Every aspect of Esther's life led to this one moment. She was a Jew. Her people are going to be slaughtered. Number two, Esther trusted her uncle Mordecai. Although it was hard advice, she trusted him. And Esther was the queen of Persia. She was in the best position to do something. Just like how God equipped Esther for where she was and what he had for her, the plans that he had for her, I think the same applies to us in this room. Wherever you are, you are placed there to make a difference in someone's life. Maybe you're wondering why, I am, why am I in like grade 10A at PA? Why do I go to Fleetwood? Why am I at Clayton Heights? This school sucks. I want to be a PA. They get all the nice things. Like we have all these complaints like, God, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? But God has placed you where you are for a specific purpose. You're in the certain classrooms you're in. You're with the specific friend circles you're in. You're in the specific family dynamic that you're in because God has a plan for your life. God has placed you here and now to make a difference in people's lives here and now. You're equipped to make a difference in your high schools. You're equipped to make a difference in your homes. You're equipped to make a difference wherever you are because God has his hand upon your life. So long story short, Esther trusts in God and she, she makes the decision to enter King Xerxes' throne room, her husband's room, and walks across the room knowing that she might be killed on the spot. She has no idea what's going to happen, but she continues to trust in God, makes her way to, to the king and says, you, don't do this. Don't do this. I'm a Jew. That means if you, if you go along with this new execution, I'm going to be the one that dies. You need to change your mind. You need to take back this, this, this order that you put out. You need to change and you need to stop. And, and, and the king, he accepts it. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll stop. She was the right person to do that. She was his wife. He didn't have to listen to her. He was the king. He didn't have to listen to anybody. But based on the relationship and, 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 the, and the dynamics of that, and God's hand upon her life, the king changes his mind, which ends up to saving thousands and thousands of people's lives being spared. And, and, and when we read scripture and when we pray and fellowship and hang out with other believers, like we are tonight, we're hanging out with our friends. The more we grow in our relationship with God, the more our hearts should break for the lost. And, and maybe you're wondering, who's the lost? What does the lost mean? The lost are the people that, that don't know who Jesus is. This is the reason why, why Pastor Chinchilla and the whole team here have this crazy youth night and do all the crazy things that they do so that you can invite your friends here tonight so that their lives can be changed. That is why they do this every night. Like, this is crazy. This is nuts. And, and the only reason they're doing it is so your friends can be saved, so your friends who are lost can come home and be found. That is why we do things like this. That's why we're doing this whole series. We're, we're, we're looking at all these youth pastors in the city, in greater Vancouver, that are all doing something to fight for your friends. That is what we're doing. 
and those are the lost. It's your friends that need Jesus. And the longer that we walk in our relationship with Jesus, the longer that we come to church and all these things, the more that our heart should break for the lost, the more that we should feel this pressure to like, man, I need to invite my friend to church. I need to do this. I need to do that. The longer we walk in our relationship with Jesus, the urgency should grow in our lives so that our lost friends can be found friends. That's what needs to happen. And similar to how Esther felt the urgency to do something for her people, we need to feel the urgency tonight. And why should, why should this urgency grow? Man, it's like just light, light flashing everywhere. Oh my gosh. But, but listen to me tonight. Listen to me tonight. Why does, this need, why does this urgency to find our lost friends and bring them here and, and get them to know Jesus? Why is that so urgent? Why can't I just keep coasting and, and just relaxing and come, come on a Tuesday night and just hang out? Why is it so urgent? Why do I need to do something tonight? Because time is short. Seriously, guys, I, before I go to school, I try to blow dry my hair. Like, you don't understand, I've got Asian hair, and it is just, like, no volume, guys. So, like, to do this here, like, this, 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 I need to wake up early. And, like, I need to, you know, blow dry this guy, this bad boy. Like, this, like, seriously, it's, like, flat as, like, the prairies. Anyways, I barely have enough time to blow dry my hair before I go to school. So we should, we, we have no time. We need to be urgent. We need to be acting now to, to telling our friends about the gospel. Not being idle and just coming on a Tuesday night and hanging out and yeah, this is great, this is cool. But actually doing something about our faith. And just like how Esther was ready to give her life up for her people, we should have the same urgency for people who don't know who Jesus is. If we, if we want the people we care about to join us one day, at the end of our lives into heaven, we need to start putting some work in now. And God has placed you in people's lives right now to make a difference right now. Don't let tonight just be another Tuesday night go by, another awesome night, you know, with Seth leading worship and, and you know, Pastor Chinchilla doing his thing, like, and you go home to your regular life and you watch Riverdale and then that's it, you fall asleep and get it back in the morning. Don't let that night be tonight. Actually leave this place ready to be uncomfortable. God has intentionally and carefully made who you are with the experiences, the skills, the way of thinking, and the exact background to make a difference in someone's life. Make a difference in someone, or just in your high school, in your family. Maybe it's at swimming club or, or, or on your sports team. God has placed you here and now to make a difference here and now. And maybe you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus yet. You need to know that there's a very real God that loves you and cares for you tonight. And that's why we have things like this. That's why we invite our friends to village youth because we want people to experience and share in the same joy that we feel when we're hanging out with friends that also love Jesus. And this is the same happiness, the same happiness that makes you feel whole that can happen to you when you accept Jesus into your life. You need to know that God knew you would be here. You need to know that God knew that you would reluctantly say yes to that friend that's been asking you to come to village for weeks. He knew that you'd be sitting here listening to some, some Filipino guy in an all-denim outfit talk to you tonight. God knew you would be here. God knew you'd be listening to this message. God knew you would say yes to your friend to come hang out. God has specifically shaped you and placed you for a very real purpose. And, and I think a lot of us, in this room, we spend our time, you know, doing different things. And, and you know, maybe, um, you know, you're, you, get, you just get a part-time job 
And uh, you're just like, okay, I'm going to work at McDonald's. I want to get a cool car. Yeah, shout out to McDonald's, burger flipping for days, come on. But maybe, you know, whatever job you're at, you're like, okay, I want to get a job. I want to save up to, uh, you know, buy a nice car. But, you know, having a nice car, that's, that's just something temporary. It's, it's whatever, you know, like nothing flashy about that. Maybe some of us, we're, you know, our goal is, man, I'm going to download all those extra apps and I'm going to buy all these coins so I can get more followers because I want that affirmation. I, w- I want people to know, like, I'm Insta-famous. I'm cool. I'm somebody. And we spend all our time trying to, you know, put down the right hashtags, follow the right accounts, post the right picture with the best lighting to get as many likes as we can. But that, too, is just temporary. It's just temporary. It's We can't bring that anywhere. We can't bring that into our next life. Maybe some of us is like, you know what? I'm going to spend my my whole life in the future. I want to be a doctor. And I'm just going to study and it's going to be great. And and don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But our careers and what we do in this life, it all stays in this life. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. Whatever it is that you might be focusing on doing, it's, it's, it's temporary. Whether it's getting a nice outfit to look super fresh on a Tuesday night, or, or it's, you know, we're, we're, we're on our sports team, we want to impress people, I want to be a better athlete, I want to deadlift more, I want to be the MVP, I want to be the best point guard. That's all great. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not, I encourage you to put 100% in. But all these things, that's temporary. That's temporary. It stays in this life. It's temporary. Again, don't hear me wrong tonight, guys. There's nothing wrong with aspiring to be the best lawyer. There's nothing wrong with getting a cool outfit. There's nothing wrong with being insta-famous. Okay, there's nothing wrong. But all of that is temporary, and that stays in this life. And, and you know what? There's one thing that I think that really, really does matter. And I think one of the only things that we should really invest our time in is people. Because all these things are temporary. Having a cool car, having a cool house, having, having nice, nice clothes, that's all temporary. It's great, but it's only temporary. And, and tonight, I want to really encourage you and remind you that there's only really one thing that, that isn't temporary. It's when, just like how Esther in this story, she had, she had one thing to do. She had, she had to be uncomfortable to, to, to save her people. But she was willing to do it. She acted on it. She knows she was placed here and now to to impact people here and now in that context. She knew that it was only her, that God had placed her in that situation to save her people. She knew that and she trusted in God. And and so when we live our lives, right, we're, we're, you know, we're doing, we're in grade 12, we're in chem 12, you know, I got all these things I need to do, I'm I'm trying to aspire to be the next photographer for, for West Village Cafe, like whatever it is, it's great, it's great, but it's temporary, but you need to hear me tonight, the only thing that really makes a difference, the only thing that we can carry into the next life, the only thing that is not temporary is something special, and that is bringing a friend into heaven. That is forever. That change makes a difference. You're welcome, Izzy Bosco. Seriously, (laughs) seriously, guys. Like, when we invite our friends to church, you know, it's like, great, they accept Jesus. It's all good. You know what? Let's, let's keep going. And then I give Izzy, you know, a bunch of paper. Let's, let's talk about Jesus with our friends. Like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Come on, Izzy. Me and you right now. Let's tag team. Oh, yeah, right now. I'm, I'm telling you right here and now. Here and now. Let's go. Come on. Come on. So we're, we, we got to tell people about Jesus. We got to invite people on a Tuesday night. And, you know, I accept, you know, hey, 
come, come to church. Come, we gotta spread out. You know, we're just one area. I'm gonna go over here. And you know, I'm telling people like, hey, I want you to come to Village Youth with me. I want you to meet my awesome pastors and leaders. And it's gonna be awesome because I just, it's just so great. I feel so loved. I feel so cared for. And it's great. And then all of a sudden, you know, so my friend, what's your name? Liam. Liam, beautiful name. He accepts Jesus. And you know what? Go. Come on, go. Let's, let's tell people about Jesus. And we're going. We're like, man, this is good. This is good. We've got 120 people here at youth now. Let's, let's keep inviting our friends. You know, I'm at PA. You know, I'm hanging out at chapel. And man, like, you might be a boring speaker. And I tell someone about, you know what? Come to village with me. Yeah, come to village with me. Let's, it's going to be a great time. Seriously. Really cool lights in the back. There's a couch on the side that I really love. It's like tan and beige but come with me come hang out we need to start doing stuff because time is short and then by but you know there's gonna be a moment where time is up time is up Izzy we gotta time's up time's up there's gonna be a time where we get to the end of our life thanks Izzy give Izzy a round of applause she's great but there's gonna be a time in our life where we look back at our life and we're going to see the difference that we've, we've made. Like, what have you done for the rest of, you know, you get to, you're really old now. And, and you know, it's, it's that time and you're not, you know, and, and you look back and you look at, your, look what you did with your life. Okay, like, cool. I had a cool car. That's great. You know what? I was like the number one burger flipper at McDonald's. That's cool. Um, you know, I had uh, a thousand followers on Instagram. That's a pretty big achievement. But that's all temporary. That's all temporary. I'm not bringing any of this when this life ends. I'm not bringing all my followers on Instagram into heaven when my life ends. This is all temporary. But the one thing that we can bring into heaven is a friend. The one thing we can bring into heaven is a family member. The one thing we can bring into heaven is a lost person. So when I look back at my life and I can see like, oh yeah, cool, like I invited her to youth and you know she's she's gonna be here with me forever yeah I, I invited him he's gonna be here with me forever none of these other things that were temporary they're not coming with me I'm not bringing my car I'm not bringing my outfit I'm not bringing any of that but it's the people that that I spent time with it's the people that I had real conversations with it's the people that I invited to youth it's the people that I talked about Jesus with those are the people that are gonna be coming with me into the next life and that's why, students, that's why tonight we need to impact people here and now. Here and now. We need to do something about our faith. It's, 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 it's no more time to just come and hang out. It's great. I'm going to hang out, you know, just and, and go home and, and do my own thing. No, we need to do something about our faith because we want our family to grow. We need, like, Tuesday nights to just be doubled because there's so many people meeting Jesus. That's what we need to do. And that's what Pastor Chinchilla and everyone here and all the leaders, that's what they're here for. They're here to fight for your friends. All you need to do is invite them and then everyone here is gonna do the rest. Not just leaders, but also as friends. You need to know that when you invite your friend, all your friends from Village are gonna love on your friends. They're gonna care for them and make them feel belonged and accepted. We need to act here and now to impact people here and now. And as a Christ follower, you are called, equipped, and expect to share the gospel. And you can do it because God is with you. Just like how when Esther walked into the king's throne room, 
God was with her the whole time watching over her, keeping her safe. He knew the outcome. Esther didn't, but God knew the outcome. But Esther just had to trust that God had a plan. And that's what she did. And that's what we need to do with our lives. Just like how Esther walked across the room to save her people, we need to walk across the room in our homes. We need to walk across the room in our high schools. We need to walk across the room in our sports clubs and everything. We need to start telling people about who we believe in, who we've accepted, who we call Big G. We need to tell people about God because God is going to transform people's lives. And we want to see this family grow and expand. And this leads me to tonight's big idea. So if you were just sitting here kind of nodding off, that's okay. I forgive you. But listen here now. Here's, here's just one statement that wraps up this entire, this entire night's kind of talk. It's, it's, you know, you can tweet it, you can Instagram it. If you need a cool tattoo, this is it right now. Listen up. God has placed you here and now to impact people here and now. I'm going to say it one more time. God has placed you here and now to impact people here and now. You're in this specific school for a reason. You're in that Chem 11 class for a reason. Maybe you're regretting it. Why did I take this course? I don't like stoichiometry, but you're there for a reason. There's probably people in that class that don't know who Jesus is. Why am I in piano? I should have taken clarinet. No, just ride out that class. Trust me, it's, it probably sucks, but just stay until June or whatever. You're here now. You're in that class here and now. So do something about your faith. Do something about your faith. God has placed you here and now to impact people here and now. Take time to get to know someone. Encourage them. Talk to them. Listen to them. And let's, let's share this hope that we call Jesus with other people. Because Jesus wants to see all of our lost friends saved. He wants, he wants to see all of our family members saved. He wants to see all the lost people saved so we can bring them into heaven. And just have a, and like a Tuesday night, it's just going to be crazy when we get into heaven. We want to fill heaven up with lost people. That's what we need to do. So we need to impact people here now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. We need to live out our faith here and now. Will you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me as I close? Maybe, maybe you've been sitting here and maybe this is one of the first couple times you've been to Village Youth and you know, you're, you're still kind of understand this, this whole concept of, of God and who is Jesus and, and what is this all about? You need to know tonight that God sent his son Jesus to die for you because there was a price that had to be paid. Because we are sinful, because we are broken, a price had to be paid. And that price was paid when Jesus came down, fully God, fully human, to die for you and for me. Because our sins, our brokenness, our guilt, there was a price. And that price has been paid for already. You just have to choose to accept that gift. You just need to choose to accept Jesus into your life. I don't know what your family situation is. I don't know how life is in high school for you right now. Maybe it's a hard time. Maybe you're struggling and you're not really sure. Maybe you're blaming God for all these reasons. But you need to know that God has his hand upon your life. You need to know that there's a re very real God that loves you for who you are. And that he, there's nothing that, that's gonna be too hard for you because God, is, he knows what's going on in your life. He knows the struggles. He knows the hard times. 
but Jesus already went through the hardest time, the most difficult experience, dying on the cross, a very painful, a very humiliating death that we deserved because we're sinful. But Jesus did that for you because he loves you and he wants to see you join this family of ours. He wants to see you come into heaven and living with him forever. If that's you tonight and you haven't made the decision to accept Jesus into your heart yet, maybe your heart's pumping a little bit. Maybe you're not even sure if you can trust me. But very genuinely, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus into your life tonight. Again, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you tonight and you're saying, I want, I want to really, I want to accept Jesus into my life. I really want to live for him. If that's you, would you just put your hand up in the air and take it down again saying, yeah, I want to accept. That's great, guys. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You can put it. Yes, that's awesome over there. You can put it down. That's so good. Yeah, I see that hand too. You can put that down, guys. That's awesome. And let me reassure you, this, this decision that you made just now, this is the best decision that you will ever make. Trust me, this is the best decision. Jesus changes lives and your life is gonna be changed tonight. That's so awesome, guys. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe you've been attending church for a while. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. Maybe you've been doing this whole village youth thing for a long time but maybe you've kind of lost your way. Maybe you've kind of forgotten what the whole purpose is of what we, why we do these Tuesday nights. Maybe you've been idle. Maybe you've just been living comfortably. And maybe for you tonight, maybe your heart's beating and you know that you need to make the decision to leave this place ready to be uncomfortable. If that's you tonight, again, just with all heads bowed and eyes closed, just out of respect for, for the person next to you. If that's you tonight saying, oh man, like I've, I've, I've been pretty comfortable lately. I haven't really been doing anything about my faith. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, yeah, like, you know what? Tonight is my night. I'm, I'm turning this boat around. I'm changing what I'm doing tomorrow. If that's you tonight and you're ready to live uncomfortably, will you just put your hand up? Oh, that's so good, guys. That's so good, guys. I'm with you. I'm with you. I need to, leave. I need to live more uncomfortably too. Jesus, you saw every hand that went up, God. And for the people that have accepted Jesus into their hearts, Lord, if that's you tonight, will you just repeat after me? Just, just we could whisper it or in your mind, whatever's comfortable for you. But if that's you tonight, will you just repeat after me? Jesus, thank you for your gift. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And Jesus, may you guide me in every aspect of my life. May I learn to trust you all the days of my life. And Jesus, I just, I just pray for all my friends here that are ready to live uncomfortably, that are ready to do something about their faith. God, I pray that you would give them confidence. I pray that you just allow them to be brave and step out and know that you've got their back that no matter what is in front of them, that they would remember who is backing them up. So God, may we be reminded of your, of your power, of your love, of how real you are, God. Be with us as we leave this place to advance your kingdom, to bring people, to bring lost people under this roof so that more people, more of our friends can experience your love. God, we, we praise you, we exalt you, 
And we thank you for, for how you, your hand is upon our life, God. God, we love you. Amen. Amen. And if that's you tonight and you made the decision to accept Jesus, I challenge you, before your head hits the pillow tonight, make sure you tell somebody. Maybe it's the friend that brought you here. Maybe it's one of the leaders here. Maybe it's either Pastor Chinchilla or Pastor Alicia or whoever it might be. But make sure you tell somebody before your head hits the pillow tonight. Would you stand with us as we close off our time together?